This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I can tell, I can say this with all honesty. We have never had a more jammed packed show. The bowl eligible Scarlet Knights. First and foremost, we're going to talk about the win over Indiana. We're going to talk about a basketball scrimmage, live hoops action, a little wrestling media day chit chat. We've got a little women's soccer update. And we've got, fellas, I got to tell you this. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. There's no hyperbole here. I have never seen anything like what happened at the end of that field hockey game in all my years following the sport. In all my in all my minutes that I've I I have Brian, I know you were there, and we're gonna talk about this at length later. We're gonna have the one and only Candace Lanny on the show to try to explain, to sort this out, to sort out the controversy, to see if the sharpened pitchforks that are being aimed in the direction of the Big Ten over this should be even more sharp. But Brian, you were there. Have you ever seen anything like that in field hockey before? In my many hours of my lifetime watching field hockey, I have never seen anything like that. I have never seen the outrage for anything the way I did. I've never heard of so many Dean Blandinos of field hockey who are outraged that Rutgers was robbed of this Big Ten title after watching approximately five minutes of field hockey in their entire lives. So many people who say that NJM does this and does that, begging me, Brian, what did the referee say? What was the explanation? Why are you not chasing them down with a pitchfork into the parking lot and demanding an answer? Uh, We'll get into all of that, but it's good for the sport of field hockey. I know everyone that was complaining yesterday. good for the sport. Everyone complaining yesterday will be watching, tuned in for every game Rutgers will ever play in field hockey ever again. It has hooked a generation. Rutgers officially is a field hockey school. Pat, what I loved about this, it, it seemed like it was just muscle memory. Like it's been, it was good weekend for Rutgers. They're in the bowl. Nothing to complain about. But then like, it's it's like 
what we got screwed and it was like we got screwed and then everyone is on twitter and then like someone says all right i'll find out why we got screwed let's just make sure that we're all on board with this it was like really it was quite it was quite a thing for like 15 minutes there the ru screw is real and in field hockey it's back back in field hockey complete outrage fully deserve it deserves to be there i can't wait for candace to come on and talk about it because she has no idea what what happened. Well, no, don't spoil it. I want to hear it from Candace. Okay, I don't want to hear right, from all right. you. All right, yeah, that's I'll take that's your right. your Your no 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 word is nothing Let's move here. On. Let's move on. Let's move we've on. Got, we've got we've got the one thing this show has is a field hockey expert. Damn it, we're going to use that today later in the show. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to have to stick with us talking football. I, I just do want to say that you make a great point. That it seemed like everyone was like reflexively mad. Like something bad happened to Rutgers, and then they all kind of looked I at loved each other. It. And said, it was great. What bad yeah. happened to Rutgers? Someone tell me why I should be mad. They're all kind of punching into the air. Like you had a great response of someone is like, Steve, this is outrageous. And you're like, I'll be mad about it as soon as you explain to me why I should be outraged. And trust me, I tra- I traffic in outrage, folks. This is like I built the career on it being out. Like I go to the Olympics and I watch something, and like if some big gymnastics thing happens, and like I have to turn to someone, I am prepared to be angry if you could just fill me in on the details. So I get it. I totally get it. This is one of those, and we're gonna fill in the details. We're gonna we're gonna give you bullets in that gun, in that chamber, and those rifles and those torches later on the show. All right, football though. Let's drive. Let's drive the bus to Indiana. Pat and I were out there, just a thorough, complete victory. And I trying to put it in perspective. And I went into Google and I was reading like what we wrote a, four years ago about where this team was. And I guess that's what get lo- gets lost here. Like, uh, you know, all of the narrative about this team after after beating Indiana for the sixth win, the number of people who look, well, who have you guys beaten? They haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, it's kind of not the point. It's like where this program was, right? Where, how far it had fallen. To climb back to the point where two, a week before Halloween, you're bowl eligible. I mean, that's a big deal. That matters. Pat, you were there. You saw, and you saw what uh, how these players, how these players responded to the guys like Johnny Langan, who have been around forever. Deion Jennings is another one of those guys that spoke after the game with Langan, the six-year guys that made a decision to come back, uh, use that final year of eligibility because they knew that this team was going to be special. They could feel it. You know, Johnny Langan made that bold prediction in in the summer that this was going to be a bold team and finally got to see that to fruition, thankfully, because the poor guy would have just been sent out on a raft to never be seen again if Rutgers didn't go bowling. Um, but, but yeah, you to me, you could see how much it meant to everyone. You know, they're, they're rolling their helmets like bowling balls. It's just such a happy moment and especially happy for the guys that that stuck out, stuck it stuck through all those really hard times. Yeah. And and I mean, we've mentioned a bunch of them, but, you know, and then the way they won too. Uh, again, Kyle Manunga, another huge day. Um, uh, Gavin Wim said they couldn't throw the ball at all. And we'll talk about that. But, you know, the best running day ever for a Rutgers quarterback. It's always a good sign when you've got uh, – Stats guru Jimmy Gill flipping to the back of the media guy during a game, trying to find out if this has ever happened before. Looking at looking at guys in the seventies, but was he a quarterback? No, he was a, you know, just trying to figure out if there's ever there's never been anybody who's done that. And Brian, we were there, and I you know you watched the film, but like you know there's this moment where like well they're gonna have to eventually throw the ball to win this game, and then 
you know, Gavin breaks out to the left, makes one cut. He runs for 80 yards. Like, oh, okay, no, no, they're not going to have to throw the ball in this game at all. And that that's kind of what, I mean, look, why throw it if you don't have to? Yeah, I didn't get the tension, obviously, that you guys had watching it live. I knew the end result when I was watching back the the tape. But even on the first drive of the game where Rutgers runs the ball 13 times in 15 plays and Indiana knows it's coming and they could do absolutely nothing to stop it, it was pretty obvious that you know, Rutgers wants to run the ball anyway. And when you're dominating the way they did early on, that was kind of going to be the key to victory. I thought Kyle Manungai was awesome again. I mean, truly awesome. He impresses me more and more every week. He get, turns two-yard gains into six-yard gains. A tough guy to take down. Uh, he was an awesome blocker for Gavin Wimsett. A lot of Gavin's big game, aside from that 80-yard run that he really did himself, was because Kyle was his lead blocker and just opening massive holes, blocking out one dude at a time, two dudes at a time, knocking over defensive backs like ragdolls. Yeah. Just incredible stuff from Kyle Manungai. And look, yes, uh, Rutgers can beat these teams, as we've said before, the Virginia Techs, the Temples, the Northwesterns, the Indianas, by just kind of using their strong running game, using their offensive line, taking advantage of their quarterback's athleticism. This is not going to be the formula to beat Ohio State or Penn State or Iowa, maybe Maryland, but uh, it's good enough to win six games. It's good enough to go to a bowl game. It's interesting you mentioned that people are saying, you know, they beat nobody. I've heard a lot of that recently. I've also heard a lot from the other side as an AP voter asking me why I didn't vote for Rutgers into the AP poll. So I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. The answer to that question is because they have beaten nobody. They have beaten nobody. Someone was like, Brian, look at the numbers. Be objective. Don't worry about being a homer. Rutgers' defensive numbers are great. Their offensive numbers, not so much. Anyway, the point being, you play the people in front of you. Rutgers has beaten every team they had to beat. They should have beaten. They've beaten everybody on their schedule that's going to have a losing record. Now, the next step is beating a team for the first time in the Big Ten that's going to finish the year with a winning record. But what they had to do this season, they accomplished their goal. They did everything they had to do. Now they're just playing with house money. And how much did the passing game worry you from that one? Was it was it Gavin was off with a few throws, throwing them high. There are definitely a couple of drops. I mean, I thought there were three. There were definitely two drops at least. So we only throw 13 passes and two of them are dropped. That, that affects things greatly. Uh, and he made the one big throw in fourth down that he had to make. It was a great throw. Uh, overall, I mean, do you just kind of shrug this one off or are you like real, okay, this is a problem? I don't shrug it off because some of the throws were just egregiously bad, bad misses. But the positive was he didn't turn the ball over in a game where you could just run it down their throats. And conversely, like we said, obviously they were going to run the ball no matter what. They fully committed to that game plan. And and you can't knock Rutgers for that. But absolutely, you have to be concerned about the passing game because you're not going to be able to run the ball 55 times against an Ohio State or Penn State and expect to be in the game, right? Like, that's gonna that's a recipe for disaster. You're gonna be three and out every single time. You're gonna need to make some plays in the passing game. And you know, Gavin was just missing open guys on crossing routes. The drops were a little bit concerning too, but it, it just it was it was a step back for the passing game. And it, it just got kind of buried under the carpet with all the celebration and the way they ran the ball. But for real keen observers, they knew how how much Rutgers really struggled through the air in that game. Okay, so you mentioned the next four games. I guess the one thing I will say, Brian, your point about beating no one is certainly valid. They have beaten no one by a margin of 22 points a game. So it's not, it, they are not, this is not like last year when they're, you know, eking out wins over Temple, you know, barely beat Boston College and you know, the miracle, you know, the miracle drive to do that. You know, they are 
winning convincingly. I think these next four games are going to show you where they're at. Certainly two of them are big asks, one of them in two weeks against Ohio State. That said, Ohio State's not the Ohio State. It was when a few years ago, even last year. So that's a little different. Penn State certainly not putting up a lot of points. And Iowa, I get. I mean, look, if you're only scoring, I don't care how good your defense is. If you're only scoring 12 points a game, you're beatable. You know, same with Maryland. They're beatable. So there are two opportunities, good opportunities for a win. And I think if you see competitive, this team is competitive in those games as well. I think you can reflect on this year being better than you thought. Totally agree. I would say that the next three opponents are like from best to worst, kind of the same team in general, in the sense that not great offensively. And that's putting it mildly, obviously with Iowa and very good defensively. So Rutgers is really going to play the same game three times in a row, starting with the hardest against Ohio state. Um, You saw it in the Ohio state Penn state game this weekend. That was just an absolute just rock fight defensive battle. Um, until Marvin Harrison Jr. showed he was the best player on the field and scored the touchdown that opened things up. But I think there's a middle ground here between the teams that Rutgers beat, the nobodies, which to your point, right, they demolished them, right? The elite teams, the Ohio States and Penn States, Ohio, Penn State's offense is not great, but I still put them in the elite category. And then now that they have two more middle ground teams in Iowa and Maryland, those are the two teams that Rutgers needs to pick off at least one of them. That to me would be a very big sign of like Rutgers has taken another step forward. Um, and if you beat one of those two teams, you're talking about a better bowl game than the pinstripe bowl. So I think the next two games are kind of be competitive, put a scare, do what you have to do, expect to lose. The two games after that really are kind of the here's Rutgers opportunity to really make a statement. Pat, you agree with that? Yeah, but I, I just think that when you play Iowa, you have a legitimate chance to win because of exactly what you said. But if you can't score points, you can't win a game. And Iowa has just completely fallen off since Cade McNamara got hurt. Point, like, plain and simple. They couldn't do anything against Minnesota, who wasn't a juggernaut. So I think the Iowa game is very winnable. You can't look at that one and, and, and just be like, oh, Rutgers doesn't have a shot. I think Rutgers has a really good shot against Iowa. And I think matches up really well. It's just going to be one of those defensive games. It might, it might set football back 100 years, but it's going to be... It's going to be interesting and uh, one to see. And you know what? Rutgers can take the next step also against Ohio State by not getting blown out. Yep, it's absolutely. The, it's the one game in left, the, the one opponent left in the Big Ten that Rutgers hasn't been competitive with yet. I think Rutgers can feel good with a with a competitive loss in that game and then go into Iowa with a chance to really make this a special season. Yeah, I guess. And someone did ask me, is it our, well, because I wrote, I wrote a really positive column. I think obviously programs trending up. Greg Shano is, is your, you know, he has earned the right to be your Steve Peichel and get a contract that's going to carry you through uh, until he's done coaching. I, I think that's, that's pretty obvious to me. But some people ask, well, does that change with four straight losses? And my answer to that is easy answer. No, but then the short answer is, all right, what are the, four, what are the four losses? Are you getting blown out by both Ohio state and Penn State again, can you not score at all? I mean, are you are you, are you putting up bagels in these games? Is your offense a complete no-show in these games? And do then do you have a shot? Can you put pick not just pick one of those goals? Okay, you at least have a shot against those two teams. And I think you know that that to me is gonna be really a, it's gonna be a good indication of where this team is. Marcus is relatively healthy. They have shown some at times in the passing offense. We haven't seen it 
you know, certainly lately and see last week, but they've shown they can throw the ball when they've had to against, against Michigan. They've played better defenses and played well. I want to see that again in these last four games to to really to take this because I picked five and seven. So they've already exceeded my expectations. All right. Take it to the next level for me. Show that you're even better than just one just another bowl team in, in college football. To add to that, I think individually, it's a good proving ground for Gavin Wimsett, as we've talked about with the passing struggles against Indiana, uh, the passing struggles against Michigan and Wisconsin, where in both games he threw a backbreaking interception. He's playing three really good defenses in the next three weeks. No one's expecting him to dominate, but this could be an opportunity for him to prove that he can be a competent quarterback, does not throw an interception, can move the ball against them, and has you know the base of a quarterback that next year can take a really big step forward and bring Rutgers again to the next level. So I think it's, and also again, the running game has been good against these bad teams. Can it do it against Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State? It's a very good proving ground with not much to lose. So really good opportunities for Rutgers. All right, let's do true or false. I'm going to put you on the spot right away on true or false. We're going to get to, we're going to get to nitty gritty here. See what you guys think. See where the predictions are going to go. Here it is. True or false. Rutgers will win another game this season. Pat, true or false? No hedging. Will they win another true, game? True. I thought true. they were going to be Iowa in the preseason. That's right. That's even did. better now. You're the only one among us who they've met your expectations, not exceeded your expectations. You still have to go six to six. So good for you. True. Brian, true or false? Rutgers will win another game this season. Let the record show that Pat is wearing Iowa colors right now. So I'm very confused whether he is an Iowa homer or Iowa hater. It's actually, uh, uh, it's actually Michigan. It's navy blue. It's tough to see in this horrible lighting. Fair enough. Well, I don't want to talk about horrible lighting. All right, fair enough. (laughs) I will say true. I think they have a chance against Iowa. I think they have a chance against Maryland. I was the original, they have a chance against Ohio State guy. Again, backing off that a little bit, I think they're going to pick off somebody in the next four games. There you go. All right, we're all on board. I think think so too. True. They've shown me something this year that they are not done. So we're all all on board. We're all riding this bandwagon. Along those lines, true or false, is Rutgers is going to the pinstripe bowl. Stop looking at hotels. Stop pricing the MGM Grand Politi. Stop looking at the downtown area in Vegas. Rutgers is going to the pinstripe ball. True or false, Pat? Unfortunately, true. <laughs> Brian, you agree? True? False? I am begging Kyle Bonagura to be the most right person in America because he has had Rutgers going to Vegas for six straight weeks in his projections. I think Rutgers has to beat at least one more team, maybe two teams to escape the pinstripe bowl. It seems like everyone really wants to see Rutgers at Yankee stadium. I am with you guys. I unfortunately will say true. No, you're not with me. I'm saying false. We're going to Vegas. Absolutely. You got to believe. And I'm saying false because two things, I think they're going to win one more game. They've been seven to five. And then you look at the other teams and, and look, I mean, Greg Shannon has got some contacts. He can twist some arms. Rutgers can guarantee. It's not just about the best team. It's about, you know, a new opponent making some guarantees. I think uh, the idea of having the New York market for against uh, Utah, <laughs> I am just throwing everything I can now, folks. I'm doing the best I can to stay up positive about us in Vegas over before the holidays. I'm going to say true. We'll see what happens. Let's get a nice middle ground going. How about Nashville? When's that game? Music City. Uh, December 30th. Or I could do that. Sure. That sounds good. Probably nice weather at that time of year. Never been down there. So Nashville, all right. We can do Nashville. My in-laws live in Tennessee, so I could see them over the holidays. That'd be nice. All right. True or false, Kyle Manunga is the first team all Big Ten running back. Pat, is he going to get the honors? 
I'm going to say false. Okay. Brian? I'm, I'm going to say false. Blake Horan probably is going to be the top running back. And if it's between a Rutgers guy and another guy, I just have to think that uh, the Rutgers guy is not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they want to punish punish Michigan. Is it possible? They can just, they could take the Big Ten's going to come out and say, I don't know, it's thrown spitballing. Uh, but you're probably right. I'll say false as well. True or false? The defensive MVP, Rutgers, Mo Ture. Pat, true or false? True. And I'll throw a, a, a out there second pick. Uh, Robert Longerbeam has been yeah. fantastic in coverage and killing it in the past breakup game. So he would be my second choice. Brian? This is a tough time to do it because he had a brutal game on Saturday. But I thought Flip Dixon was their best defender before last Saturday. Uh, so that's going to mm-hmm. be my pick. So I'll go false. But Motoray definitely on the podium. He's been unbelievable off that torn ACL. I will say this. I, I, it's for me. It's still you're, you're leaving enough Tareem Powell, who's just been excellent as well. Uh, maybe Motoray a little more visibly excellent. So for me, they are co at this point. But yeah, I mean, he had a great game against uh, Indiana. All right, uh, true or false? Gavin Wimsett isn't the problem in the passing game. His receivers are. We've talked about this a million times. Pat, true or false? False, false. It's his accuracy still is a problem. Brian. False. Totally, totally agree with Pat. Two drops on Saturday that were pretty rough with Dremel and Langan, but I mean, some of his throws were four feet above his receiver's head. That's no, no receiver is going to catch some of those. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess you're right. I'll say false, but I do think that they're. I just you just keep on waiting to see one of these guys just emerge. Uh, I get it. Dremel's been great, um, but why, why? I say Washington man, he makes some great catches and then then he disappears. I don't understand that. Uh, so I'm going to say false, but uh, with a caveat asterisk there. All right, two more. Uh, true or false, Michigan will be hit with significant sanctions from the sign-stealing investigation. Pat? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am wearing my Michigan blue and maize <laughs> for a reason, because no, they will not be. Yeah. Brian? I agree. There's no precedent for this, but what would the punishment even be? I don't know. I think Connor Stallions is going to be in deep trouble, though. He's going to have to ride his horse. I have no idea. It's a great question. Yeah. Vacated wins would be an extreme punishment. Lost scholarships. They are sure. pretty defiant. I read some of the stories out of there. They do not care. They're like, oh, you want to you want to take you, whatever. We they are just they're not coming out and say, oh, we did something wrong. They're saying, Nope, we we are. So that's interesting take after that win over Michigan State. Unapologetic and clearly, by the way, clearly the best team in the Big Ten now. I've I've yeah, I've come around on that one. My goodness. Brutal day in uh, in East Lansing with, I'm sure you guys saw the Adolf Hitler trivia question <laughs> on the scoreboard. I almost put that as a true or false, true or false. Hitler trivia is good for a college football game. But I've learned that, no, there is no good, there is no good time for an Adolf Hitler joke. That's something that I've learned after 25 years in this business. But yeah, that was something else. My gosh, uh, what, what, what was the, what happened there? They blamed a third party, which you always do. <laughs> When, when something something happens with Nazis, blame a third party. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, they they like fired a guy or something or suspended him with pay because you have to go through some investigation to find out why Adolf Hitler is on the scoreboard of your stadium. Just hell of a headline when I see it on our sister site M Live. Michigan State apologizes for Adolf Hitler sighting on the scoreboard. No one's going to write a better headline than that. 
That is, that's going to cl- click, click that one. It was wow. very much clicked. And I do want to also say to address this, I'm pretty sure it's sarcastic comment I've gotten. Rutgers is not going to get a win against Michigan because of this sign stealing scandal. Like, and they're not going to get a better bowl game because of it. Like they're, they're not going to Vegas because Michigan stole, stole some signs just to squash that. Everyone's still waiting for the NCAA selection committee to take into account the Ohio state robbery in that game. Yeah. Just know that. Yeah. They've all moved. They've already moved on. You're totally right. Uh, all right. Finally, uh, the most pleasant surprise from the Rutgers hoops scrimmage, Jamichael Davis, Brian, you uh, take that one since neither one of us were there. True or false? Well, I would hope that you were reading my in-depth live breathless coverage to know that the answer to this is true. I was very impressed with Jamichael Davis, uh, easily the brightest spot of the day for Rutgers. All right. Can you give us a quick uh, recap on what your thoughts were? I mean, it looks like they're down early, but um, you know, an impressive, uh, impressive second half performance. Yeah, the first 15 minutes or so were St. John's completely dominating, suffocating Rutgers. I had a line in my original story that I scrapped at the gun of uh, Rutgers wants to play fast, but they were getting sped up by St. John's because St. John's was pressing every inbound and Andre Hyatt and Oscar Palmquist and everyone trying to get the ball had no answer for it. I mean, just they were getting completely suffocated. St. John's went up by 18 at the half. They looked like an infinitely better team. And then in the second half, Rutgers completely flipped the switch, pushed the ball in transition. Jermichael Davis looked completely like he belonged, best player on the floor. That's what ESPN's NBA guy, Jonathan Gavoni, called him. I totally agree. He was Rutgers' best player. Um, Did not look like a three-star freshman. Pushing the ball in in pace, really athletic, dunking, uh, getting rebounds, blocked a shot. I thought he was really good. I thought Gavin Griffiths settled in in the second half, struggled a little bit in the first half, struggled the whole game defensively, to be honest. I thought Cliff was awesome. I thought Cliff should have gotten more shots. He hasn't exactly expanded his game from what I saw, but everything he did well yet last year was better. He had a tough matchup in Joel Suriano and really kept up with him. Just a couple things that are alarming. Shooting was bad. Three-point shooting was bad. They missed their first 11 threes. I think mm. they only hit three of them. Noah Fernandes had a nice one in transition to help cut the St. John's deficit, but really discouraging there. Free throws were brutal. Um, they could have sealed the game a couple times on the free throw line. Couldn't do it. They couldn't get that key rebound in overtime when St. John's was shooting a three to tie it. Uh, they had three opportunities. They couldn't get it. St. John's ties the game at the buzzer. Um, and to finish up, when they hit that, the place went absolutely nuts. Atmosphere was terrific. There were maybe 3,000 people in there, but it felt like a regular season game. Just really good atmosphere that is going to help Rutgers a lot because you get a bunch of different situations. You go down big early, you come all the way back, you play two overtimes, you're playing in a real atmosphere. Steve Peichel got to experiment a little bit. And I think overall, about as good a day as you could have hoped for if you're Rutgers, aside from maybe winning. But yeah, I think even Rick Pitino said that he'd rather win this way than win by 20 because this way his team learns a lot. I tend to think Rutgers learned a lot on Saturday. Sort of fascinating because I, I come out of this and I don't like I thought I had a pretty good grasp for what the rotation was going to be, but reading your story and knowing that you know you still didn't have a couple of especially Moat Mag, you still didn't have a key player here. I mean, it, it, did it change your opinion of what you're going to see? Are they going to play nine players in a game or what? He has not done that recently. I think a lot of it was experimentation. Uh, Oscar Palmquist was in the end at crunch time. I don't think that's going to happen in an actual game, especially if Rutgers has full health. Um, obviously, Moat Mag is going to play once he's healthy, 28, 30 minutes. So I don't think they have a really solid lineup yet. I don't think they would have played their you know, their best rotation or whatever it is on Saturday. Uh, it was a lot about experimentation. 
so no, I don't think so. The only person, again, is I think Jamichael Davis will play more minutes than I had expected. Is he a starter? Uh, no. Or starter starter level. He's he is not he has not supplanted Fernandes in your mind. Correct. I don't think so. I think he'd even be the third guard. Um, if we're saying a fully healthy roster, I would start Noah Fernandes, Derek Simpson, Gavin Griffiths, Moat Mag, Cliff Omori. Maybe you start Andre Hyatt instead of Derek Simpson and bring him off the bench. I just think in all that calculation, I'm not quite ready to put uh, Jamichael Davis in there yet, but he could be the you know, second guy off the bench, third guy off the bench, a uh, real spark plug kind of guy. When they need a guy to drive the ball to the rim, push the ball in transition, he can really add a change of pace that uh, they don't have besides maybe Derek Simpson. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldrich.com. All right, good job breaking down the basketball. Let's do some questions from our readers before we get Candace on here to talk field hockey. Again, thanks everyone for... Um, subscribing and fulfilling our text service with good insights. So here's a big picture question uh, from Brian and Piscataway. I'm sorry, Brian and Persephone. Which was more impressive, the original build in five years or this rebuild in four years? He's obviously talking about Greg Shano taking the program from the basement to the Louisville game. Now he's taking it four years from, I mean, a similar spot competitively at least to this would be the equivalent of the inside bowl. This is sort of where they are in fourth, fourth, fourth year. I guess that's my answer. I got to see what they do in the fifth year, but what do you guys think? Is, is, is this more impressive than the first time around? I think it is because the competition is greater, right? Like in that first stint, you, you know, you got, you had some not walkover games in the big East, but every week wasn't necessarily the, the level of, beat your brains in big 10 football. Not that this year has been either, but I think, I think for that reason alone, like you're still playing blue blood juggernaut programs in the second stand in the big 10. And that makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I'll buy that. Brian, you, I mean, you did, you, they, they didn't get good the first time around until they, until they ditched Miami and Virginia tech in the big East. That said, I do think that they were further down the, they didn't have the facilities the first time around the recruiting. I mean, the program, the talent-wise, Greg Shannon inherited the first time around. There was no Bo Melton in that. There was, it was a, you know, it was basically a, it was, you know, Division One Double A, which was at the time. Uh, where, where do you fall on this one? So I obviously wasn't around for the first time. I was five years old when he took over the job for the first time. But... This is why we hate you, by the way. This is why we do Boomer Zoomer for just for that. But hey, go on, please don't don't let me interrupt. It's okay. This is why you don't feel bad when I don't know who. Perry Van Winkle or whoever random person you pick is for that was the first old name. Kevin, Kevin, like Kevin Klein. Why you don't, why you cannot possibly, you can't possibly expect, you know, who, you know, Kevin blockbuster movie star Kevin Klein is. I get it. Cause he's, he wasn't born in 1998. Go on, please. Don't let me interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot what I was even going to say. So I wasn't around for the first rebuild, but 
it wasn't proven the first time he did it. Rutgers was never, no one had ever shown that Rutgers could win to this extent the first time around. Greg was in his mid 30s. He had so much going against him to do it. I thought the build was just so much harder in so many respects the first time around. And I think it's not fair to compare it to 06 yet because one, that was more years down the road. And two, that's a pretty high mark to reach. I think if we, if I compare this to where they are to your point, the 05 year where they finally broke through to the bowl game, I would say the first time was slightly more impressive. I think this time is pretty impressive in its own right. But I would say, again, histor- from what I've read and what I understand, uh, the first time was very difficult, this time a little less so, because he proved it. He showed he could do it at Rutgers. It's easier to convince parents and players, come here and do it at Rutgers, when you could say, I did this 15 years ago too. So, Pretty good tiebreaker, beat Ohio State, and then I will change my mind on this. That's pretty. I mean, I you know, it sounds. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, I mean, pan, you want pandemonium Piscataway, that would certainly that would be pretty pandemonic. Pandemonic is that a word? It is now. All right, bigger, bigger Another than good Louisville, right? Easily, if they beat Ohio State, yes, 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 I think so. Yes, Pat. Certainly more, and I uh, certainly more iconic blue blood program. Ohio, a better State. team too, right? I don't know. That Louisville team is pretty good too. I know, I know. But uh, but no, no, I don't actually. I I disagree because Ohio really? State is still offensively challenged this year. A oh my bit. God, Ohio State. Okay, uh, I know they they have Marvin Harrison Jr. and they're offensively challenged. That's... They've won every game they've played 58 to nothing against Rutgers. I, I, all right. I, I understand what you're saying. It may be just because of the hype. Empire State Building, Mike and the Mad Dog. It was such a big moment. National TV, the only game on. Got you into the big, helped you get in the Big Ten. I get that. But man. To Pat's point, what yeah. I agree with Pat here is that Rutgers was going for a Big East title that year. They were undefeated. They could have played for a national championship, maybe, if they had gone the whole length of the way. I mean, maybe that's a bit hyperbolic, but. They, had, they were in it. They were going to be a top 10 team. If they beat Ohio State, they'll be ranked, which is a big deal. But um, I guess to Pat's point, like the the result, the game itself would be easily the biggest one they've had as far as the quality of opponent. I would say what it means for the season they're in is not as big as the Louisville game, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It's a very good analysis for someone who wasn't barely alive, had a diapers the first time. I'm going to move on from that. I was 10 years old for the Louisville game. 10 years old. Whatever. Same thing. All right. Another question uh, about the old day. What was the reaction from the guys who've been there since Chris Ash and seeing the lows of the program to now make a bowl game? Someone like Langan, uh, how much they've built this program is so impressive and they should get the proper respect for all they've done and been through. Couldn't agree more with that. And Pat, I guess what I will say is that we've been here through guys who thought they were going to be that guy. Like, you know, like a Darius Hamilton. Like I'm trying to think of some guys who were like, all right, I'm staying. I'm going to, I'm going to be that guy. And there's nothing more depressing than when you're interviewing those players and they, I mean, just another lost season, just another four and eight on the pile. And you can kind of see that they, you know, it, it's just, it's just tough. That's not the case there. There was a lot of happiness in Bloomington. There really was, you know, Dion Jennings, I, I, I thought said it best when, when he was like, listen, we didn't have to, I didn't have to come back, but I did. I made this choice because I wanted to play for these guys. And Langan said the same thing, obviously, too. Like, like they sure, I'm sure those other guys that you mentioned thought it, no question. But these guys were brought to campus in the Chris Ash era. So they were buying into 
some narrative that who only knows what they were buying into at that point. They knew they they could see what was in front of them. So I, I just think just to bring it back, I, I just think that you're this question is 100 percent right in the aspect of like, yes, it was such a happy moment for those guys. And they truly deserve all the praise and and respect really for for hanging in there through all the hard times. Good answer. And follow up. Uh, I was I obviously wasn't there. So I'm curious what you guys, I saw a lot of the social media videos, Greg getting the Gatorade bath, guys, like Pat said, bowling their their helmets. Gavin Wimp said bowling at football in the locker room and everyone falling like pins. Got, you know, Johnny Langan screaming, we're going bowling, we're going bowling. I know sometimes the press conference room is right next to the locker room. Was that the case in Indiana? Could you hear them celebrating? No, no. Hmm. It was it was kind of, uh, it was in a, dis- I think a different corner. Um, it, it was a nice press room, don't get me wrong, but uh, everyone was still very giddy. Of course, but it was a little more subdued than that locker room scene, which was just like iconic. Yeah, and the social media team at Rockers does a really great job of, of of bringing some of those moments from from inside there. And Shiano's dance, like I I, I do think the two like the difference of people who say oh he's a, he's a different person than than first time around. I would, I would argue that that is not true. Um, in many ways, that he's still kind of the same guy, and then in the good ways too, not just you know, but. I don't know that Greg Shanna 1.0 does whatever the whatever that dance was. I mean, and then then whoa, uh, excuse me. Let me say, I, he might have done the dance. I do not know that Greg Shanna 1.0 lets that dance get into the universe, get into the world. I mean, and if you hadn't seen it, go on to, to their social media channels and watch. It's just like a fun. I mean, like just it was. It's 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 your crazy uncle at a wedding reception. You're like, Hey, look at uncle Greg. You see that? Like, I mean, it was just really funny. And it was nice. It was good. Of course you should be excited. You qualify for a bowl is what you should be. But you know, from the image of football coach, I am the program leader. I'm the CEO. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's not usually what you expect from Greg. Our colleague at uh, USA today, Christian Dyer uh, talked to a former dancing with the stars competitor and asked them to rank how Greg Shannon's dance did. Uh, before I tell you what he said, I want you guys to tell me out of 10, how would you rate Greg Shiano's dance moves? I thought you were going to try to get me to, to see if I could zoom or identify whoever this boomer zoomer this person is that I didn't read this story out of the 10. I'm going to give him a four. What do you think, Pat? I'm going to go a little bit higher, but like a seven, because it took so much for him to let loose like that, in my opinion, like that was full mm-hmm. blown, like just pure his soul was speaking to the world with that dance. So I grade it from, from that perspective, how much uh, he was able to just uh, transcend uh, with that artistic take. What's the answer? So I, I do want to say that the reaction of the players, when he does jump in that almost in disbelief and excitement is it's awesome. It's awesome to see that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That's why these guys spend months and months in the weight room and practicing and watching film and all that tedious things to be able to enjoy that um the answer so it, his name is rashad jennings a former Rutgers. oh cool i would know who that was yes okay played three years for the giants seventh round pick out of liberty dancing with the stars champion not just participant champion really let me read you this quote again it's from uh christian mm. of Rutgers wire our colleague on the beat eight out of ten jennings told Rutgers. no supreme confidence great timing played to the crowd just not sure it was dancing but it got the people going <laughs> Just sure it was dancing. Uh, that's wonderful. Good stuff. All right, that's a good quote. Love it. So the soul, he they could feel the soul there. That's that's good job by Christian getting that story. Nice stuff. All right, Joe at the shore. Shouldn't we want to root for the Pinstripe Bowl? There'll be a lot of alums and fans who can make the day trip. 
I'd feel like it'd be a home game and it's at an iconic venue. Assuming the Rutgers is good or better in the future, once schedule change, Rutgers should be able to elevate the bigger bowls. I feel like it's short-sighted not to want to go to the pinstripe bowl now. Joe, I must say I disagree, but um, you fellas see any value to what he's saying about big crowd there, iconic venue, anything? I just think it's you want to try something new. When you've been to the pinstripe bowl twice already, you've you've experienced it. Why not try something new? And why not long for uh, a new experience? And if it's the Las Vegas Bowl, what could be better than that? <laughs> I I agree with Pat. Definitely from our perspective. I've never covered a pinstripe bowl. I hope I never have to. Uh, I don't want to be in the bitter cold of Yankee Stadium, which iconic venue for baseball. I think it's a bit of a stretch to call it an iconic yeah. venue for football. It's a crappy foot venue for football. I think yes. that's the right word. I would say. There's benefits to Rutgers in multiple ways in that they don't have to travel anywhere, so you cut costs there. I don't know how much of the gate they would make, but a lot more Rutgers fans would show up, which would probably gain them some more revenue. Uh, So that's two ways they can both save and make money. The atmosphere will be better. Again, there'll be a lot more Rutgers fans there than, say, Vegas or Nashville or, heaven forbid, Detroit. So I think for Rutgers, there's a lot of benefits. I think for literally everyone else and the fans and the fans who live close and want to go and can't travel otherwise, there's benefits for them. I think for literally everyone else, we want to go to Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. All right. Rob D has a good question. Rob D, my friend from the upper deck. Last row, baby. That's where I'm watching these games if I had tickets. Rob D wants to know, with the bowl bid set, expectations exceeded. Do you see RU coming out with a different offense after the bye, i.e. let Gavin uh, fix AC, ACC issues? I don't know what that means. Anyway, yes. So do you think this is going to be a, a different line? It's got to be, right? Accuracy issues. That's what ACC Accuracy, accuracy issues. Ah, yes. Makes sense. Um, uh, no, there's no secret offense. Please. But different. I mean, different play from play calling. You're not going to run it 50 times. You've got to have something for Ohio State that's not that, right? Well, I mean, you probably have to run the ball and kill clock. And most importantly, not throw an interception, not throw a pick six, not give Ohio State more possessions. And, you know, I, I think, yes, to win, you've got to hope that Gavin makes some big-time throws. That's no doubt yes. about that. But how many opportunities are you going to give him to take those big-time throws? I can't think that many. I mean, one thing we've learned, though, from Greg, he's not he's not trying to lose this game 24-3. to He's going to try to win the game, right, Pat? I mean, it's, it, to win the game, he's got to throw the ball. Yeah, I actually think Rob D has a good, a good point here. They might let Gavin throw the ball a little bit more and try to open things up when you're playing with house money, because that's how you develop as a quarterback. Like you're not going to take the next step, handing the ball off 55 times. Right. So, or 30 times, whatever it was, if you're going to beat Iowa, why not try to score some points? Right. Like why not try to try to open it up a little bit? Uh, I, I think this is a good opportunity to not, not reinvent the wheel with the offense. They're not going to do that. This is still going to be a team that runs the ball, plays great defense and plays special teams. They're not going to lose their identity, but I, I I would like to see Rutgers try to put Gavin in in some better positions to grow and learn and show us what he's actually really capable of throwing the ball. I think it's, I think it's a great point. All right. To follow up to that before we move on, I think it's just a good kind of question. Pump for the win, and it will preface it that I feel Wimson has been an asset to this team. That being said, my question is, if we had an even an average passing game, is this Rutgers team in the top 25? 
as you noted, it received one. It is in the others receiving vote category, not votes category. Got one vote because we'd have the leading rusher in the Big Ten. You can count on the hand, uh, one hand how many sacks the old Lions let up. We have a top 15 defense and a plethora of NFL talent, a five-star kicker. He goes on and on explaining, like, wondering if it would be in the top 25 with an average passing game. Brian, what do you think? Yes, because if they had an average passing attack, they would have beaten Wisconsin. And if they had beaten Wisconsin, they would have been 7-1 and gotten my vote, at least. I can't speak to the other voters. I would have voted for Rutgers in 24, 25, 23 range. And that almost certainly would have gotten them in the top 25. Like James Madison isn't in the top 25, right? Uh, is it really? It's necessarily, no. it's not always necessarily about, when you do rankings, it's not always necessarily like, oh, this team is going to beat this team. Sometimes you have to reward teams for having a great season, like James Madison or or Air Force is still ranked, right? Like the um, you know, it's it's about getting some respect too. So, but top twenty five, if the passing game was better, to answer that question, um, Brian's one hundred percent right. They would have beat Wisconsin uh, and and been at seven and one here at the bye week. So that would have definitely been a top twenty five team. All right. Uh, last two questions. One, one really wanted to know. I have got a great question. Why in the world would you eat the nasty looking press box lasagna? That's a good point. We were in Bloomington. Again, you're like, we rank and we're going to do this. Pat and I were talking about this. Brian, we haven't told you this yet. But in one show, we have nothing, really nothing to talk about. This is not the week. But once we have nothing to talk about, we're going to rank. We're going to do a draft. We're going to do a snake draft of big ten, big 10 cities because we're ripping Bloomington. We're just relentlessly driving, driving to this game. Just all over Bloomington. And then about but as we're driving, I'm like, you know, as much as I'm killing Bloomington, that might be a top, it might be a top half Big Ten city, Big Ten town. I'm not sure if it is or not, but that, that's the first point. But the second point is they put out this food out there, put Italian food out, tw- two trips in a row. The first year it was lasagna, and I ate the press block lasagna, and I just felt like I was gonna die like during the game. The second part is they put out, they put out a pl- a plate of Chicken Alfredo that looked like it looked like it was glue, like Elmer's. If you took Elmer's glue, that was the color of the chicken. I can't describe it any other way. It was terrible. None of us ate it except I did see one person eat it. JPO from the radio, Julian Panic was eating this thing. And he had a big plate. And I just looked over him and said, You gotta do you gotta do the second half. You're gonna be on the you're gonna be on the radio with Chris Carlin. There's no like backup. They can't pull Teal off the can't bring, bring in they can't bring Eric Legrand. This is just you. And he says, like, I trust my I think it was I trust my stomach. Is that what he said? Something like that. It was a great line. Regardless. He said it wasn't that bad, too. He said it was pretty good. I just yeah, I just, yeah, just quiet Montclair dude, a guy I lives, you know, from the town I live in. I like it, but man, I gotta I gotta question some judgment there, man. I'm all in on the ranking the Big Ten cities and the Big Ten press boxes. I take pride in eating every press box meal that's put in front of me. So I would have to jog some memory. I'd be glad to do it. I got to say, I am disappointed in you guys. One, it doesn't sound like you guys stopped at Nick's English Hut. And two, it sounds like you guys didn't stop at St. Elmo's. What is going oh, on, fellas? How do you box just that? Just a disgrace. You, you tell them. I'm, I'm just too, I'm depressed about it. We did stop at St. Elmo and Harry and Izzy's, and because the Colts were home, the city was just overrun. We couldn't get a table, no bar, no bar seats available. Um, we stayed in Indianapolis, obviously, so the the place in Blooming in Bloomington was a no go too. It uh, it was it was not good. It was not good. This it is, is the analysis. It, it was, it was Indianapolis. We should have known. We should have known. It was short side. We should have had a reservation. But the thing with Indianapolis, and this is what we fi- I finally figured out. I've been there a million times. It's a city with eight huge hotels and also eight restaurants. That's it. Like there's no 
So everyone goes to the same like eight places to eat. And one of them, of course, is San Elmo. So we couldn't get we couldn't fight that fight. Yeah, it was an hour. It was an hour to get a table. So all yeah, I'm saying is you guys knew this date has been on the table for like I know. nine months, ten months. It, it takes one second to make a resi. I'm just I'm just saying. I tried. Really- I tried three weeks ago. I tried. All right. <laughs> I'm just dying for this moment. I gotta talk field hockey, field hockey expert to tell us if we're all crazy. Candace Lanny, could you bring? Uh, could you interrupt whatever she's doing that is more important than this, which would literally be anything? Yes, gonna bring uh, her in. The uh, the not good Lanny is leaving, and I will be back in two minutes. Or, I mean, Candace, the real good Lanny will be back in two minutes. All right, we've got Candace here. So I I didn't I didn't watch this. So Brian, you're gonna have to ask the question although unless you want the questions to be very simple was rutgers screwed (laughs) is that a good question is that the right question brian it's an excellent question in my opinion i could not think of a, a more awful way to lose honestly watching that game how tough like just heartbreaking loss brian i have some questions for you about this since i know that you are physically there but to me that was a real just just heartbreaker i will answer any questions you have but i want to go first so i'm assuming you watched the decisive play where Rutgers has the fifth penalty stroke they score the goal everyone goes nuts btn plus has the graphic Rutgers wins a share of the big 10 everyone's jumping around and then whoop the ref goes to the review and says no good what happened well that's my question to you (laughs) as well so I don't know what happened there. To me, there was no foul on the play, right? It was very clean. The attacker took the ball down. She didn't obstruct the goalie. The goalie didn't foul her, obviously. Um, It was really clean. The only thing I could think of is that maybe the eight seconds expired. But otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. And I was expecting the ref to share more, which I'm sure she did with, with the teams. I don't know if that info got related to you, but I was pretty disappointed as a spectator to just have that type of a decision. I mean, it was a game, a game turner, right? Like it, it changed the entire outcome of the game and the season for many of those girls. So it's just to me, right? Like what a tough, tough way to lose. Yeah. Um, so I, for transparency, I was there. I did not interview the losing head coach after the game. I didn't do my job. I thought I'm not going to write <laughs> an obituary about this. So I didn't, I didn't ask Meredith Civico and I did not chase the referees to the parking lot. Like everyone in my mentions wanted me to, but you failed. My, in other words, just Candace. So just to be clear, you failed. This yeah. one makes you sense. <laughs> yeah. Journalistically, you should have been there and to call you. Okay. That's fine. So we, we it's too late now. Obviously. <laughs> I am not sure who failed more me or the refs. In my defense, I did not think that the entire Rutgers alumni base was suddenly enormous field hockey fans. Yeah, I should should have figured everyone is huge fans of the Are You Screw and complaining about it. But to answer your question, from what I understand, is the same interpretation. The shot. So I think you're supposed to. It's not when you get your shot off, like in basketball. It's does the ball cross the line before the eight seconds? And it sounds like the ball did not cross the line before the shot clock ended. Maybe we can make a recommendation for next year in these broadcasts that they have the shot clock or visible, right? It would be nice to see. I don't know if they have that at the actual game, but that type of detail as well would be, 
I think the fans would appreciate it. Um, even, you know, just watching from home, but I, I think you have to be right. There was nothing else that I saw that could have possibly overturned that call. I'm with the you. ball has to cross the line for it before. How do they ever know that without looking at, was there a shot clock visible someplace on the field? So there is not NFL level technology at the Bauer track and field complex. Just so you guys know, I totally agree with you. There should be a shot clock on the broadcast. There should be a mic on the referee announcing her decision the way they do on the football field, but they didn't make the call on the field. They, I, I'm not sure if Northwestern challenged or if the referees decided to check it themselves, but they went and checked it after they were there for a decent amount of time. It looked like I'm guessing that their views with Chicago and the big 10 office showed them a shot clock and they could kind of, uh, I have a video of the play, the full play. I can Zapruder it later and kind of try to see myself. Um, but I have to think they have some sort of technology um, to figure it out. And that must have been it. And it must be like clear and obvious because I don't think they'd overturn it if there was any doubt. I, I would hope not. Right. I agree. So, well, let us know if you come to a different conclusion. Have you and your so people who weren't listening last time Kenneth was on, she was an Ivy League player, Princeton, the captain, four-time Ivy League champion. Have you in your career ever suffered a loss on penalties in that way? Well, to clarify first, the rules have changed quite a bit since I was there. So <clears throat> this new shootout process didn't actually exist when, oh, when I was okay. playing. So it is new and I believe it's probably designed to more closely align with the NFL, right? And ice hockey and kind of that overtime sudden death process. But when I was there, the penalty stroke in its true sense, in its true definition of name was how we how we um, went through overtime and really de- decided these endeavors. So it wasn't common then, right? How many games this year has Rutgers gone through? One overtime, two overtimes, we're going through the shootout. I've never seen so many games in a single regular season go to that extent. So I personally have not lost in a penalty stroke shootout like that in such a heartbreaking fashion with so much on the line for a team who has just been building over the last few years. I thought they played incredibly well this game. They dominated the possession for most of it. And I thought they looked really, really good. Both teams did. So um, I'm, I'm eager to see how they bounce back from this as well. But to point blank answer your question, I don't think I've had anything quite as devastating. So the answer to your question is four. This is their fourth shootout, their first loss in a shootout. They could still win the Big Ten if Maryland beats Northwestern Thursday and Rutgers beats Iowa in Iowa Friday. So a lot has to go right, but hope is still alive in Piscataway. Um, That's possible. It's possible. It's not impossible. Maybe Northwestern rests on their laurels, takes a a long week of drinking, and uh, doesn't show up (laughs) to the game on Thursday. So was there anything else controversial or anything that stuck out to you when you're watching the game that you think we as field hockey uh, fanatics should know about? Well, like I mentioned, I thought both teams were really strong, really great possession, very clean games, really good scoring opportunities. The one on the point of controversial, the one thing that also really struck me was, again, in the penalty shootout stage, it seemed as though each team was only given one opportunity to review a play, right? And Rutgers had asked for a second on on one of those final goals, I think. And it was the they one right before it was. So they went 5-5 five, five, then they went to a second round where each team goes one and one sudden death. 
Puck Winter missed hers. I can't know exactly what they were asking a challenge, but they were furiously asking the referees to look it over and the referees just did not want to do it. Exactly. So that, that to me, I think is also an interesting point of contention that I wonder whether or not the league will review, like, is that the right, is that the right role for next year, especially in those types of games, right? If we flash forward to the NCAA playoffs, right in the tournament, could you imagine getting into that position at, with that high of stakes? What, what if we're in the championship game, something's not reviewed, the ref misses it. The angles are tough, right? The fouls are really sometimes small and hard to see. And so I'm wondering if anything might change on that side. But that that was the other thing that really kind of caught my attention from a rules perspective. It's interesting you say the possession because I did watch the first half and I was wondering if that, as a hockey fan, if you have puck possession is a big deal. Analytic, new analytics Corsi is a stat where measures, and this is one of the things the Devils, you knew the Devils were going to be good because they had they had the puck the entire game. So is that still the same for for field hockey? Because it really did look like, based on what I watched, and believe me, talking out of my butt already just by bringing this up, but it looked like they had the ball more than Northwestern throughout that first half. They did, absolutely, in the first half. And it can be a sign of the better team, right? Or who is dominating the play, who, who has control, very much so. But it doesn't matter if you can't score, right? And Mm -hmm. if you can't finish. So passing it around the backfield, I thought Rutgers did a really nice job of that. And they do that in order to spread out the defense, in order to switch fields, in order to find those holes to go and attack. But then it's really important to actually go and attack and finish on those opportunities. So yes, important. um, But if you can't score, you can't score and you're going to lose. This is my final question. I don't know if you have anything else, Steve, but um, I'm standing there on the sideline and I'm talking to you know different people who are not field hockey people. They're Rutgers people. They're really enthusiastic about watching the game. And I think 70% of the times the referee blows their whistle, everyone kind of looks at me and says, Fonseca, what, what just happened? And I look back at them and said, I don't know. I mean, it seems like from where I'm standing as, again, a person who does not watch field hockey, it seems like the refs are making stuff up half the time, like what a foul is or isn't. As a player, you've played a lot, you've watched a lot. Is that fair or do like is there actual like rules in field hockey? <laughs> no, there there are a lot of rules. <laughs> there are rules. It's not just a fun game of blowing whistles. But the the penalties are um they're quick to come by, right? They're they're easy to come by. So for example, the top penalties are t- ball touching a foot, right? ball cannot hit anyone's foot. If so, it's the other team's ball, um, stick hacking, right? So I can't just come up to you and hit your stick out of the way without touching the ball, right? Other team's ball and a very not controversial, but misunderstood rule is obstruction, right? So think if you're like in a basketball game and you're blocking out, you can't do that in field hockey, right? You can't just have your back turned to someone and be dribbling in that way and blocking them. This actually came up in in one of Rutgers' former shootouts where they got called for that and a goal got called back. But anyway, these types of fouls can happen very often. I I think in very high-performing games like the game yesterday, it was very, it was controlled, right? And it was really clean. But as a player, you you know, right? When you've committed a foul, you know when it's justified or when it's not. 
But the league has also done a lot of work to speed up the the downtime or the reaction to those calls. So as I mentioned back in the day, 15 years ago, every time a penalty was called, everyone had to stop, you had to set up, everyone had to get, the other team had to get five yards away. And it was a, a penalty hit, if you will, a free hit to restart. Now, as you've probably noticed, the team who the team who didn't foul. So the team who now has possession can just start dribbling, right? So you you check the ball and then you can just start going. It's made the game much, much faster. And I think easier for fans to watch because that is a a common complaint, um, you know, from friends and family, from all of us over the years that it, it can be a little bit more challenging to watch when you might not understand the fouls. And there's a lot of them. All right. My final, my final question if, if, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we do something called true or false. And we did no. very simple. If you, if you haven't listened, don't worry. You're not the only significant other. My wife uh, does not <laughs> know. We have such I thought a thing. you were going to give me one of Brian's. Um, what's his game? The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'll spare you that one. But true or false, very simple. True or false. Rutgers fans should be furious. Yes. That's true. I'm furious. True. Yes, that is true. Riot. I would be furious. I am furious, right? I didn't even go yes. to Rutgers and I'm furious. Love it. Love yes, it. you people so, were right. Everyone on Twitter, all you we all you people were you did get screwed. Candace Lady's right here to tell you. I love yes. the Twitter action on this too. And that, that Brian, like you said, there was a huge following there. There was a lot of supporters. So yes, the anchor hopefully will fuel us into really good tournament coming up very soon. All right, Candice, you've been great. You've, you have explained this to us in a point where we almost, I think I can say, I almost know what happened. We'll get there. <laughs> I got to say, like right. a lot of the times when they blew the whistle, like I didn't see it. Half of them, the foot hitting their, the ball hitting their foot. That makes so much sense. I, I, that does I, help, right? That does help. Yeah. Yeah. And the stick, I thought there was like some stick fighting allowed, like no stick. Fight. It, it makes perfect sense. I just got to say when you're sitting there or you're standing there and everyone's looking for you and I, I don't know, oh, you know, so, and I didn't mean to imply that it's a sport without rules. It's a lovely sport. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> I just had no idea what was going on. So thank you for explaining. You are very welcome. My pleasure. Thank you both for having me again. I love being yeah, here. We'll have you back at the NCAA tournament after Rutgers wins the national championship. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, Pat, you're back now. Candace was great. Obviously, uh, once again, there's going to be significant groundswell. If you think they're mad at the loss in field hockey, they're going to even be madder that you're back on this podcast. Put it that way. Well, I heard there's a wrestling segment coming up. So maybe the the Rutgers wrestling fans out there that demand Pat Lanny will get rewarded for once. Lanny, All right, do it. Lanny, Lanny, do it. Let's Lanny. talk wrestling. Wrestling Media Day. You were there. What do we got to know? Tell us the tell us the takeaways. This is a team that has all 10 of its wrestlers ranked nationally, uh, which is a big deal. Only seven teams in the country have that. And to do it, Rutgers went out and revamped its lineup through the transfer portal, bringing in three guys uh, that are legitimate NCAA qualifiers and have a shot at getting on the podium. So... Yeah, Mitch Moore in the middleweights, Jacob Butler, and Yaroslav Slavoskowski at heavyweight. Three new faces to add to this lineup. And Rutgers has, last year, had all these question marks about who was going to be starting and what weights and all that. This year, no questions. Like, the lineup is very set. 
Um, and Goodell, Goodell really thinks it's going to be a really good team. So it should be a really exciting winner. If you're a Rutgers wrestling fan, um, you know, get out there, support the team. And uh, Goodell's pitch was we need more season ticket holders. So you know what to do, guys. All right. Uh, women's soccer, we've got a two to one win that gets him into the Big Ten tournament. I ran into it's funny. I was walking, going to the game to get my flight to Indianapolis. I ran into the women's soccer team coming down. I'm like, look at this. And I stopped Michael Neal, had a nice chat with him. He's like, look, we're playing our best soccer late in the year. It's, it's, it's all right in front of us. He was right. Sadly, his sister died. He did not coach at that game, Brian. Is that correct? He, uh, which, which is a shame, um, but they won it for him with a late, with a late goal. Um, it's good stuff. Correct. And this game was after you had bumped into him in the airport, right? This game was on Correct. Sunday. Yep. Uh, yes. And they did win it for him. Uh, sad to hear that, obviously, for Mike O'Neill, a fellow Carney guy. Uh, they're playing well at the end of the year. Maybe they can sneak into the tournament. And once you're in the field, who knows what could happen? So I guess it's if you're going to be playing bad, it's better to do it in the beginning of the season and kind of ramp up as October hits its stride. And men's soccer 4-4, you told me, win or tie? I guess it's not a 4-4 win. No, 4-4 tie. Yes, yeah, so to similar to you, I ran into Jim McEldry on the way out of field hockey yesterday, and we were chatting a bit, and he was telling me about this crazy game they played this weekend that I somehow missed. They tied 4-4 with Northeastern in Massachusetts, pouring rain, pretty nutty conditions. Uh, they were up 4-3. It sounds like a wacky ball, hits a deflection off of one guy, I guess another, into the upper corner. Rutgers kid scenes a goal. Uh, unfortunate, but they go to Indiana next to close out the regular season. They go to the Big Ten tournament after that, and uh, they prove they can win the Big Ten tournament last year. Maybe they can make another run. So, But the one thing I wanted to do mention is uh, Scott Goodale, I watched the press conference, maybe my favorite coach at Rutgers to listen to. Real dude. We'll say very it, honest. Very honest. Will not BS you. Will say what's on his mind. He's very good to listen to. I enjoyed it. And I guess Pat had a question about wrestling as far as like, they have nine home duels. I know... Goody was really pumping that up because last year they only had four. Start against Virginia Tech, supposed to be a really good team. Any other dual meets that you're really excited to uh, see or you think will be fun for fans to see? Um, once you get into that Big Ten slate, every match is really important. And, and every, every single one is good because the competition is just so great. One thing that Goody said that I thought was interesting is that he has high expectations that Rutgers should be you know, the, he said the best season was fifth in the Big Ten as far as dual meet season. Like, that's what he wants this program to be. That's what he thinks it should be. He's in his 17th year, and those are the expectations he has for the program. So I think it's good. I think it's refreshing to hear a coach say that. It sounds like, from the sound of it, 10 ranked wrestlers. I don't know if they have a shot to finish that high, but lofty goals for sure. Yeah, and one of the big things is that they'd never be one of the big four programs in the Big Ten, which is really you know the blue we talk about the blue bloods in football blue bloods in wrestling are, are even just as good if not better um but michigan has a shot to be one of the best teams in the country this year penn state is obviously juggernaut of the sport but the one big 10 match that i have circled minnesota january 27th is a good one and then number seven ohio state on february 4th could be a really good match too if Rutgers could knock off Ohio State. That's one of those blue bloods, big four teams that would be a, a very competitive match in my eyes. All right, I thought we got. I think I can imagine we could possibly talk about more Rutgers stuff in one podcast, which is good because we're not going to do one later this week. There's a bye week. We're not going to have Brian try to pick up 
famous, I don't know, uh, someone suggested famous people who did not graduate college. But we're just, we're just going to take the weekend off from picks. You've earned it. Folks, enjoy the bye. Watch some football. We'll be back here on Monday to preview a pretty big game, noon on Saturday. That was the breaking news. Uh, so early tailgates, big noon, CBS, national TV, big deal. So we'll be back on uh, Monday to talk about that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.